Welcome. So glad you found us today and so glad if this is your first time. We certainly hope, as we would say, it's not your last time. Thanks for checking us out. And, and if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and say thanks for being part of our online experience. Man, what another week it's been. I want to share a couple things. One, the uh, March of Prayer that's continuing. Uh, it's uh, in, into its last week, this coming week, and we will be hosting uh, on Tuesday night here at 6 p.m. Again, you can watch online through the Godsfield Facebook page. You'll find a link here in the worship notes and hope if you're in this area that you can come and be part of it. It's been incredible. I finally had an opportunity to pop in at uh, First Methodist on the square Tuesday night, and it was such an encouraging time. First, they played the organ, six amazing hymns that uh, just captured all of us, and then sitting there in the grandeur of what is the oldest church in our community. And the building speaks to a day that's gone by, but the stained glass windows especially uh, just capture all that God would tell us through the, the stories of the artists that do stained glass. But as we lean into this week, we also want you to be aware that there is an opportunity for us. We've had a number of people ask about how we might be able to be helpful to what's going on in the war in Ukraine. On Monday, I had the opportunity to sit with the council of the Presbytery and we uh, voted to set aside $15,000 in matching funds to partner with a, a ministry called NORAC that's in Romania. It's actually on the border between Romania and Ukraine. And it's actually funded mostly by Presbyterians. And their primary goal is to work with children who have no parents as they are under the care of the state-sponsored orphanages in Romania. And because NORAC is located just a few miles uh, from the border, they also have been helping the Romanian government care for the Ukrainians as they flee from their home country. And it's amazing that NORAC is working with hundreds of Ukrainians in the area every day. They help provide services such as food and psychological counseling and shelter. NORAC is even taking children to a local horse farm to help them find a time of peace and calm in their otherwise unpredictable lives. I was at Ray Melton earlier today. I had a chance to spend some time with Jonathan Patton, the executive director there, and we were just talking about the role that horses can play in these incredible times to help calm a child. And horses are so astute. Many of the Ukrainians who are coming to Norak for help are unaccompanied minors. And others are mothers with young children, and still there are some seniors who are leaving Ukraine for safety. I would invite you to click on the online giving button up above where you can make a gift electronically if you'd like to be part of this. And it's so cool, we'll, we'll actually send it all in together. But the idea is for every dollar you donate, the Presbytery has set aside another dollar to up to 15,000. So let's see how we might be able to bless those that are in this incredible time. And then I wanna also share today a, another video from our friend, Pastor Sergey. He, he makes a statement here in this video about all people will die. So why is it that he has assurance? And he's standing in front of a destroyed mall in Kiev, and he shares uh, where he gets his hope and his assurance as he confronts the daily reality of what uh, death and destruction comes from a war. So uh, join now, Pastor Sergey. Kiev, Ukraine, war zone. Another civilian building, another civilian object is destroyed. This is just a supermarket, mall, for uh, ordinary peaceful people. And now this is destroyed by Russian army. And nobody knows who'll be next. 
nobody knows whose building, whose uh, apartment will be next. So that is real for us right now. So uh, some of you are asking me, Pastor Sergei, what would happen if you'll uh, be killed? Well, if I'll be killed, uh, it means that uh, I'll be physically dead. Now, this is fact. Uh, this fact is uh, unpleasant but this is fact and you're asking uh, so what to do in this situation well in this situation uh, first of all we need to have strong belief in our lord and in his uh, promises that are given by him in holy scriptures so for me for example is uh, very important to read psalms psalm 16 says the following david king david is saying by inspiration of the holy spirit the following words i always see my lord before me he is at my right hand so everything that happens with david in his life he sees through the eyes of faith he knows that lord is before him and lord is uh, beside his right hand and he's saying following words you will not allow me to go down to the grave you will not allow your holy one to see and experience corruption and this is assurance of david but as we know david died in his time and i know that sooner or later i will die and all people will die but why david had that assurance why i have this assurance because this psalm is prophetic psalm david is saying about jesus christ because in the book of acts chapter 2 apostle is saying following words by inspiration of the holy spirit that jesus christ went to the grave but his body didn't experience corruption and he rose again on third day so that was assurance of david and this is my assurance that uh, we will see new day the day of bodily resurrection we will see our lord with our own eyes and this is what gives us assurance and consolation and comfort right now when i know that if my body will be destroyed like this building it will be restored again by my dear savior jesus christ Pastor Sergei, Kiev, Ukraine, war zone, with strong assurance in Lord who is alive right now and forever. Right. I mean, Pastor Sergei is such an encouragement to see how he is modeling for us how a person of faith lives into these most extraordinary times. So let's take a moment and pray for Pastor Sergei and the people of Ukraine. God, we again pray into the midst of this, pray that uh, resolution would come swiftly, pray that you would be with those people that have been displaced, some millions literally, uh, ticking close to three million people have lost their homes. And so 
even as we hear about this uh, program called No Rock, we pray your blessing on them. But in all these things, we pray that we would just uh, see our, we pray that we would have a deeper sense of your role in the world and how we can be a part of it. And we just pray now that we can be people of courage and faith to help invest in what's going on there. And we pray, too, for strength for Pastor Sergey as he continues to leverage his platform through FEBC and other ministries to help tell the story so that all the world may know. But we just pray you would give them hope. We pray it in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And then also this week, we celebrated the life of an amazing man, Bob Marshall. He passed away last Sunday. We had an opportunity to celebrate Bob's life at the funeral home on Saturday and then joined back here at the church with his family for a light lunch. And so I would ask that you would be reminded of the good work that those that have gone before us. Bob served in the Army. He had uh, many good things that he did here in our community. He'll be sadly missed by us, but more importantly by his amazing wife, Joanne, and also by his amazing daughters and, and the children and the grandchildren. And so. We just want to pray God's blessings as they uh, celebrate this time and, and move through a time of mourning, but also moving through a time of understanding that we have hope, that there may be grief today, uh, but there will be joy in the morning because of the promises of Jesus. And so together, let's move into a time of worship, and let's look at a hymn this morning that I think can help underscore this assurance that we need. Why? It's a simple question with no simple answers. Why now? Why this? Why me? Is God even here? Is he listening? How can we know? We've made it through dark times before, and I want to have faith, but I still wonder, why? As we begin this morning, let's look to David in the book of Psalms, Psalm 16. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he, God, is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Now, what I want to unpack today is a sense, as I've talked to others as we've been in this series, about how do you go about experiencing the very presence of God? Have you felt the presence of God? Did you feel it today when you got up? Uh, do, you, do you know the presence of God? Uh, do you know how, what it feels like? Is it tingly or is it crying or is it peace? Uh, because I think we've been in those moments when God has shown up that God's presence can give you a, a sense of warmth all over or there can be God's presence that can make you, you cry and show some emotion, or that actually God's presence can be a time of peace. And I think of that as we celebrated Bob Marshall's life this week, peace and the rest that came to him uh, that is promised to all of us. And I also wanna sort of push in on this idea is that if you didn't feel God, why is it? Whose fault is it? Is it God's fault or is it your fault, you haven't done something right, or is it because the pastor at church hasn't led you or here online in a way to find uh, peace and, and presence of God? Or maybe even where you've wrestled with, you just don't feel that God's there, or maybe you don't think he's real. So this week, the big question we're looking at is, what do you do when God seems far off? 
I mean, all of us, right, have, uh, we've read the Bible, and yet there's times where we, uh, we don't understand it. When you go back and look at the archives of the worship experience through God's fields, man, some of them were just beyond anything I've ever experienced. There were arms raised, and there were loud songs being sung, and people were praying. And even Tuesday night, as I was at First Methodist, it, it was uh, a little unsettling because I didn't necessarily feel the same way that some of the people around me were praying. And I don't know about you, but even the idea when I pray that I don't feel God at all sometimes. And yet, as we looked at the story a couple weeks ago about the father that wanted his child healed, uh, that we want to believe, right? And that we need Jesus to help us in our unbelief. And yet, it's in this desire to believe that we just don't feel anything. And I think many of us can relate to that kind of experience. And what I want to say is that if you, if you don't feel God's presence all the time, you're not by yourself. I think there's many of us that are there. In fact, look here, David says to us in Psalm 88, But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? That's uh, verses 13 and 14. I mean, it's amazing. We find David many times, and I think in this time too, he's running for his life from those that would want to take his life. And he thinks that God's forgotten him. And we've talked about this too, about unanswered prayers, as the, the Apostle Paul, is that we know that he struggled for a number of years with this affliction. Uh, he, he just didn't know quite what to do. Then there's Jesus, where we see the ultimate understanding of this, where here is a man who has walked with God. In fact, he's the Son of God. And as he gets to the cross, and he is ready to offer up his life, in that moment, the weight of the sin of the world is so great that he senses God's abandonment, that his heavenly Father has left him for, for his own understanding, and he cries out, my God, my God, which is really this idea of why, where are you, God? And I think in our current understanding of our faith, I think it's important for us to understand that we, we don't always feel God. And I'm going to give you a couple reasons why. Because I think sometimes, particularly in our culture, there is maybe too much emphasis placed on feelings and not enough, especially for those of us that are in this tribe called Presbyterian. You know, we're called the frozen chosen for a reason because we seem to lack emotion in so many things. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, nor do I think it's a good thing, because sometimes when we uh, overstate something, that it, particularly that could be the first point here, is that maybe that we're overstating God's presence. Because it's interesting, Jesus, he said that there are some people who are always looking for a sign. And you would think of all the miracles that surrounded Jesus' ministry, even the idea of his birth and then the journey he went on for 33 years. We see here in verse 30, so they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? I mean, really? my goodness, all the good miracles that he performed, and yet they're still asking that question. And I think there's many of us ask God to show up because you just need to know he's there. I can remember in high school a number of times where it was probably imprudent of just what I was asking of God about a car or about a relationship or about an opportunity that really uh, God wasn't going to you know, make the sun stop in the sky for my requests. And yet we're all wanting to feel something. We need a sign. I think about it as I continue to grow up, 
and things that I experienced. Many times at church camp, I spent many summers, literally from the time I was in sixth grade through some almost 30 years where I moved from a camper to a counselor to then director in the last few years that I was there. And there were summers where it'd be an amazing experience, go to, to the Friday, the last night there, and communion on the hill, and just experiencing the last campfire, and singing Kumbaya, and Lord, they'll know we are Christians, and to be reminded of all those things. And at the same time, didn't always feel like God was close to me. I think all of us are looking for opportunities for that sense, that deeper sense that God's working in our hearts and minds, and, and the warm, fuzzy feeling. And just because we didn't feel something doesn't mean that God isn't present with us. Or just because we didn't feel something doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us either. Uh, because I want us to see particularly that feelings aren't the only proof of the presence of God. Because if you always felt God, you wouldn't need faith. And that's where our faith has to come in, right? I mean, even in my own story, preconceived notion of pastors, and in some sense, being a pastor is like the closest to God, right? Some people think, although I think that's changing in our current culture, the idea is that I'm all about God. And yet I have to be honest with you, when I think about those moments, I can probably count on uh, both hands where I can say God showed up in such an incredible way that I really sensed his presence. But yet we need to be reminded that that's where we live our lives is in the ordinary days of of leaning into just the life experience that comes to us. And so it's not just that we maybe overstate the emotions, but then also maybe it could be, the second point here, that, that our heart is hardened. It's interesting that Jesus quotes Isaiah's prophecy here in Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 14. He says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. And so I want to suggest that if we're not feeling the presence of God, that you may be a Christian, but maybe you've allowed your heart to drift away. Because as we've said uh, so many times, it is about this intimate relationship that we are to have with God. And it isn't that God didn't do something, but maybe it's that somebody hurt you, like we talked about last week. Maybe it's some kind of trauma you've experienced. Now, that doesn't define you, but it can close your heart. And I have to say, too, and this is where it can go from preaching and teaching to meddling, where the, the number one cause of a hard heart is sin, is sin that's in a person's life. Let me try this example to unpack that. I mean, if it's cold outside, and it has been, off and on, right, especially as we're in this crazy springtime weather, and so we bundle up to go outside, and we put on the various layers, your coat and your gloves and your scarf and your hat and maybe some boots. And so you're all covered up in clothes. And so what? So you, you can't feel the cold. And, and so use this as the analogy that you're, you're covered in sin and you can't feel God. It's the same kind of thing. And so there's some people, if you aren't feeling the presence of God, it's because you have gotten comfortable with sin. It's just that simple. There's all sorts of ways that this has played out, being jealous of somebody else because of what they have, uh, whether it's the, the perfect hair or the perfect kids, or maybe they just have some, a nicer car than you do, or the idea of somebody that's hurt you, that you just can't for, uh, forgive them. 
or that even you've entertained sin in a way that's just not healthy for you. Or maybe when you became a Christian, you leaned into all sorts of practices uh, that, you know, where you stopped drinking and uh, you just stopped doing all the different things. And then as we talked about last week, it's this the poison of religion, right? This religious spirit, that there's these things we uh, become comfortable with in our behaviors and our attitudes. And again, it's about being intimate with Christ and walking with him and seeing how your time with him will change who you are. And too many times it gets caught up in this idea of being uh, performance-driven, that it's about what we do as opposed to what we are being in the presence of God. Again, it can be those religious duties where we do it out of road habit as opposed to doing things in our faith formation, reading scripture, praying, that come out of a sense of genuine devotion. And so even the series to try to help us see that it's okay to ask questions about God and how things get played out because life isn't perfect and life is complicated sometimes. So again, if it's not because maybe we're overstating the emotion or uh, maybe because our heart's been hardened, it could be, there's this third understanding here, is that maybe God wants to draw you closer. It's sort of what the Apostle Paul preaches in Athens. He says here in Acts chapter 17, for from one man, God, made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Verses 26 and 27. Think about this. I mean, really, uh, when you think about your life and you, you take the what I call the 30,000-foot view, the helicopter view even, I mean, 35,000 feet in a helicopter. But you know, when you take the high view and look down and you see, you know, you can see clearly then how you've had these uh, amazing challenges and these hard times and even the suffering that you've had to push through. And yet it's in those moments when you push through those difficulties that you come out with the most amazing things to see what God will do, partly because, and maybe mostly because we're dependent upon him. And have you ever noticed that, that it's when we're comfortable and when life is easy and when there's lots of prosperity that sometimes it's the, it produces the worst outcomes? And I can't help but think and put that in the context of where we've been, say, over the last 30 or 40 years around the world. And now we have this global uh, eruption with the war in Ukraine or the, and the threat of a world war uh, with all that Russia is being involved in. And yet when you look at the history of the world, war is actually there and that the brokenness in our world is actually there more than there is the peacetime. We've had an extraordinary run, if you will, of peace, but we shouldn't be surprised because there's always these agendas that people have to make their way known that are political leaders. Because you see what happens when we take something away, it can actually draw out our desire for something even more. For example, when you don't eat, what happens? You become hungry, right? And if you don't drink, what happens? Well, you become thirsty. And then maybe even the idea is that if you don't feel God, maybe you'll want him more. Because you see, God wants to be in a relationship. To be reminded, he doesn't just call us servants, it says in scripture, but he actually calls us friends. And he wants to be in that kind of relationship. God wants to be pursued. He wants you to seek him with all that you're about. In fact, Jeremiah, the prophet says this, 
The Lord says this through Jeremiah the prophet, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So here's one thing I want to sort of lay out as a foundation on, in this idea is that just because God feels distant and feels absent doesn't mean he is absent. Because feelings can be deceptive, right? Just because we don't feel something doesn't mean that it's not there. I want to say just because you don't feel God doesn't mean he's not there and present with you. We need to be really careful about saying this is you don't want to believe everything you feel because feelings are not facts. Feelings can be perceptions and perceptions can sometimes become reality, but they're not, they're not facts. It's not really a true picture. And sometimes you got to get out of your feelings and, and move through the activation of faith. In fact, it's in that moment when we move from passive to active that we actually see how faith takes on a whole new perspective. I mean, so the question is, can we feel God? Well, I think absolutely we can feel God. There are occasions, there are uh, sacred moments, if you will, and it'll bring about the goosebumps and the tingles and can even bring about uh, joy and tears, right? Uh, but the, it can come through ordinary, everyday, and just in through simple moments. For those of us that use the Bible app every day, I don't know how many times I've opened up the Bible app for the verse of the day, and it's exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. It's just crazy. Or maybe it was when a friend reaches out to you and says that God just brought you to mind. Uh, that just happened to me here recently. Somebody sent me a, a text message and just said, hey, I've been thinking about you. How's it going? Uh, or we hear a song. It's in those moments of worship, right, where you, you feel like that song was written just for you in that moment. And so what I want us to see is that when we, we center ourselves and pay attention to the way life turns, that we will find him, that we will find him as the scriptures promise us if we seek him. And as we begin to walk towards the week of uh, Easter, the Passion Week as we call it, we're reminded that we need to sense God in an even deeper way. Even this past weekend, as I had an opportunity to walk through a three-day experience called the Walk to Emmaus with about 50 men, it was incredible that this was the first walk uh, since the pandemic, so it's been almost uh, two and a half years. And it was just beautiful to be reminded of all that God will bring to us when we center ourselves and we trust that the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all that he has for us in the day. And it's important to do those kinds of experiences, whatever it may be, to get away with God, whether it's a retreat or just a walk in the woods, because we need to feel him. But what I want to remind us of, whether we feel him or not, it's the faith that we have to believe that God is always with us. That's the thing we want to hang on to. That's what's motivating the courage that uh, our pastor friend Sergei is doing in the Ukraine. Can't even imagine how his world has been turned upside down. And to think that we're only a month into this and, and the destruction and the desolation that's taken place. And yet the courage he has and the boldness and the, even the certainty that he's going to be okay. Even if he loses his life, as he shared with us. Because you see, we have to have this, this faith, this simple faith that our God will never leave us. That he is with us uh, as we even came through at Christmas time to re be reminded that his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us, to know that it's in those moments that we, when we don't know what to do, that God is with us as a guide. 
when life is just falling apart, when there's lots of hurt, when words don't uh, really mean much, we can know that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us. Even when we're sensing that we're all alone, we can see that God is with us, that he is a friend that's closer to us than anyone can possibly be. And even in those moments when we're dealing with anxiety or we can't get to sleep, uh, that there is a peace that God can bring uh, by being uh, with us. And then finally, the, the most amazing thing is the forgiveness of sins that God brings us. It's no longer what we do. In fact, we can't do anything as we talked about last week. It's about the grace that he gives us and that it's not about anything that we can perform, but it's about everything that we can receive as we receive his grace as uh, children that gives us forgiveness and places us in right understanding with him, that we get a justified faith because of him. So there may be some of us that don't feel God because maybe we've overstated things and we're expecting too much. It could be, again, and this is where some reflection on your own time of just thinking about maybe it's there's some things in your life. Maybe there's a sin that you need to work through or maybe there's some unforgiveness that you need to repent and, and bring forgiveness to, to a person for something that they've done to you. Or maybe finally, is that the God of the universe, your heavenly Father, wants to draw you closer to him. And when we think about that, whatever we may be doing, it's about asking him for help. It's like David calling out to him if we're feeling anxious. And if it's like we don't have any idea what to do, it's about asking him, what steps should I take? And yet at the same time, when you're worried about someone you love, you, you can take and you can cast your cares upon him. There may be times when you wake up overwhelmed and that's when the Jesus prayer, simply saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus may be enough. So I wanna land on a, a very basic idea. It's almost too simple to land on, but it's what we need to say to ourselves that he is with us, that he is here in this moment. And then to lean into the promises of scripture. And as the Lord spoke through Jeremiah, he said, if you seek me, you will find me. And so I pray that you will seek him in all things. And in seeking him, I know you will find him. Again, as we began, David says to us, I know the Lord is always with me. How often? Always, right? And what does he say? I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. So it's in that confidence that we lean into living life as fully as we can for him. And so let's pray. God, we are grateful for this truth, that even when we don't sense you, even when we don't see you, you are there. And so uh, even as the song Waymaker reminds us that uh, even when we don't see you working, you are working. And so it's in those moments that we pray uh, like the Father did in Mark's gospel, you know, help us in our unbelief. Help us trust you more. And so together we pray your Holy Spirit would encourage us in all those things. And we just trust you with all that you're about and thank you for loving us. And we pray it, Jesus, in your strong name. Amen.